Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We're excited to talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. We're in the book of Proverbs still, so way to go. You know right where to go. (laughs) Today's the 23rd, so we're going to Proverbs 23. Mm -hmm. And again, Clark and I will just kind of walk through sections and break them down into some language uh, that's a little bit maybe easier to understand, easier for me to understand. Yeah. And uh, and then we'll wrap it up. So thanks for joining us, Clark. Kick it off. Yeah. So again, Proverbs contains general statements. This is not specific to every situation out there. For instance, saying seven is going to say one thing today and saying nine says something a little different. Mm. But it starts off saying, when you sit and dine with a ruler, note well what is before you and do not put a knife to your throat. If you're given to gluttony, do not crave his delicacies for that food is deceptive. What this is saying is oftentimes people don't give away luscious, delicious feasts for free. There's always a string attached. And so what this Proverbs is saying is don't indulge that lifestyle because sometimes it can be a bait and switch and something is going to be expected of you. I actually had this situation pop up just this last week where I had an older friend who was starting a business and in order to start the business, it was super tight. Well, there was a distant family member who offered their assistance, but, um, the, the person had a sense that there might be a string attached to this. Like, hey, I'll loan you this money, but down the road, you know, you're going to owe me a favor. And so in their great wisdom, they said, nope, we're going to keep this tight and we're going to do this without that person's help. And I think it's going to be best that we just take care of what we can manage and we know for sure is coming our way and we're not going to become dependent on somebody else. Because that doesn't, it's not sitting right. There seems to be a little mm. deception here, and sometimes that's where that discernment muscle needs to kick in. Yeah, discernment kind of becomes a theme. I feel like throughout this chapter, off and on, um, in the next few verses for sure. So, saying eight verses four and five um, are talking about wealth and re- and working. And mm-hmm. so, let's read it. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches, and they're gone. For they will surely spout, sprout wings and fly off like the sky in the night. I feel like this in general anyway. We're, we're like, okay, well, there we go. You know, air conditioning or uh, watering or whatever it is. Clark and I are like, okay, we really need to tune into Dave Ramsey and what he says about telling every dollar where to go. Yes. But the question, too, that kind of gets brought up is why do we overwork? That's what the first line says. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. And there's, there's you know, at the root of that, I think a lot of different reasons, whether it's your family of origin or maybe a need to prove something, but really sometimes, oftentimes uh, we're we're idolizing stuff. We're Mm -hmm. idolizing money or we're idolizing the work itself, kind of status and who we are and and we're so important, you know, because work tells us that. Um, And then it becomes more important than, than anything else becomes more important than our family becomes more important than, and then eventually it's going to become more important than God in your, in your relationship with him. I actually um, am reflecting on a conversation. I enjoy uh, a blog, which is so funny to say blog. It was a long time ago. Blog off of MySpace. (laughs) But she was talking about how 
Um, and it's a husband and wife blog, but she was talking about, they were sharing a story and they had kind of come to a spot where they had what they need. They were able to be generous. They were able to tithe. They were living at a spot where they're like, Hey, wow, this is, this is great. This is a really good thing. And that her husband, and he, he spoke on this too, continued to say yes to new work projects and yes to new construction projects and yes to new building projects. And that's kind of what their family did. And eventually they had a conversation and the conversation went like this. You're not doing this for us because we don't need anything. And then the quote he said that really stuck out was we have more than enough. And so that kind of became uh, that Ooh. was that was a turning point for them and their family where he was like, why am I doing this? Like, let's check in. Mm-hmm. You know, what are my motives? And and that's kind of where we come to define like success and yeah. um, these kind of things. And the the way though, what helped was them putting in healthy boundaries. Was them not just within their work, but also around their marriage, around their home, around their time, putting up boundaries, saying no. Boundaries aren't a wall, but it's just something where you are able to assess health and say, this is not healthy. So I am going to make space from it. Again, that's something that's all over in the Proverbs, making space from someone who gossips or someone who's angry. Well, sometimes we need to make space from good things. Like, Hey, this is providing for our family and that's all it needs to do. It doesn't need to define me. I love Chick-fil-A. I love eating Chick-fil-A. I would say to some of the men listening to this, sometimes it can be tempting and easy for the men in the household to say, Hey, uh, I needed to work to provide for the family. And that whole provision masks uh, a hidden laziness of actually coming home and doing the harder work. And that is walking, training, disciplining a child, uh, being present. I know that's not the case for everybody, but that is something I've bumped into as of late saying like, Hey man, you don't actually don't need more money. You don't need the XLT newest suburban or the latest iPhone. What you have is amazing. You got a great life. Your family needs you. And so get back home and let's do this. That's kind of where we're at. So if you keep going to saying nine, saying nine is a little bit different um, from saying seven. And it says, do not eat the food of a begrudging host. Do not crave his delicacies for he is the kind of person who is always thinking about the cost. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart's not with you. You will vomit up the little you have eaten and you have wasted your compliments. And so really this is the opposite of the previous verses. Here it's saying that there are people who say the right things, but don't really want to be the kind of person that they're portraying themselves to be. And again, discernment's needed to see through this person's word because, for instance, like sharing food or material items, resources can eventually lead to things like envy, competition. Maybe you're borrowing your neighbor's, this is a really superficial example that probably won't be that helpful for a lot of you. But uh, you Tell borrow it. your neighbor's <laughs> lawnmower to get out and mow your lawn, and your lawn just looks really good. Even though they offered to let you borrow their lawnmower, there becomes this rivalry. It's the kind of stuff you see in these silly movies with like Tim Allen and whatever else. But it actually happens. I just had a conversation with someone back on our, our family trip to the Midwest where this thing kind of happened. And it's like, all right, this is a real thing. So again, discernment needs to occur even though they offered like, is their heart really in it? Have a sense of awareness to go, hey, I'm not going to come back to this. Yeah, and what kind of person are you? Yeah. What kind of person are you when you're lending stuff out? Are you like, hey, you know, we'd love to do this for you. And then, uh, that was, ru- oh, 
mm, we're not going to do that. Or like, oh, hey, you know, it was it was great. It was great. We'll, we'll do it again. You know, we'll do it again for sure. And then, no, we're definitely not going to do that again. And so it's <laughs> like, what kind of person are you, too, when you're dealing with, like, good these word. questions and just generosity in general? Before we move on, why I brought up Chick-fil-A mm. <laughs> on the boundaries portion was because they're not open on Sunday. And so I know Chick-fil-A's got its own stuff, blah, blah, blah. But still, it's a successful company. More blah, successful blah, than blah. many other yes. many other fast food chains. And, and they, they don't even like open for you know 12 hours on one day of the week, which yeah. is huge. Continuing, yep. saying 10 is also just a really loaded um, verse. Verse 9, do not speak to fools, for they will scorn your prudent words. And so why, this is just such a... Like, you know, again, all of Proverbs, just like, oh, one of those, they can just stick in your brain. Like, okay, what's being said here? What's an actual example of this? And one of these examples is sometimes we have people in our family or maybe a friend group or maybe someone that just is constantly, you know, needing or wanting to meet and and they just unload every single time. It's not a mutual conversation. It's not something where... Um, you know, it's, it's life giving and there's, you know, you're energized and you, it's a, you know, a friendship that you want to continue. It's just something that's like, wow, I am like your soundboard and that's it. And not even really a soundboard because like the verse is saying, you don't want to hear what I have to say. And really therein lies the challenge because if someone's going to be seeking advice or seeking wisdom or just seeking a listening ear, um, and then there, there's nothing though, that's, um, there's nothing that changes from it. There's no teachable moments. There's no yeah. soft heart. There's no way, and we're going to get to these verses in a second, where they're applying change or instruction to their heart. Then you kind of have to grow in discernment. There's that word again, in mm. awareness. And you're going to have to set up boundaries too. It'd be like, hey, you know, this is this is where what I've got going on. I have this much allotted time. Because yeah. I think that's part of loving people well too, is continuing to show up. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, we're honoring the Lord and saying, Hey, this is what I hear you saying. You know, this is where I'm at. And then, and then you move on. Yeah. And really that's Jesus also. That sounds like Jesus in the gospels too. Yeah. If we jump to saying 12, it kind of follows this train of thought up. And this on, if I'm being honest, is probably one of the harder lessons I had to learn in ministry. Just because when you're a young guy, you're like, what life experience do I have? I'm learning to teach the Bible. But, you know, and finally someone asks you a question. You're like, oh, I have, I have a chance to be helpful to somebody here. I want to go all in. Yet you find out this person has talked to everybody about this and has brought this question up. Um, verse 12, it says, apply your heart to instruction and your ears to the words of knowledge. And the key word here is apply because wisdom can be offered but is it received? Instruction can be given, but is it applied? Advice can be spoken, but is it taken and acted upon? And it's like, ah, if it's not being applied, we've had the same conversation multiple times. I got to move on. And I've tried to help some of our interns now, those in seminary, commission pastors and elders. It's like, it's actually doing a disservice to the church body if we keep fishing out of the same, like, watering hole and the fish aren't biting or no one's changing nothing's developing there's no growth there's it's like move on yeah spend your time elsewhere where there's fruitful lives and ministry and people are actually willing to apply their heart to instruction Mm. and then we're going to see hopefully change and a little bit of heaven come to earth Mm. 
Some of change happens through discipline. That's what saying 13 is getting at. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with a rod, they will not die. Punish them with a rod and save them from death. So the point here is we all need correction. Correction is needed for everybody. And sometimes this language, like using the rod, that's actually very, very great. Um, that's a great picture when it comes to shepherding mm-hmm. and how that's how the Lord lovingly calls us back into correction. And, and we're not talking about like physical harm. That's not what the Bible's talking about at all. In light of Ephesians 6, 4, we know that the Bible is talking about how we actually call kids back to correction in a loving way. It says that discipline and consequences are going to save our kids. <laughs> that's like the base word there. And so remembering that, if you think back to ways where people lovingly spoke truth into your life, where they called you, I mean, psychologists say this, that kids actually desire discipline. They want their parents to say no. They want their parents to put up boundaries when they don't know what to do. There's a huge science out there, especially right now with teenagers and technology. They can't say no. Teenagers physically cannot say no. If you're a teenager and you're listening to this, God bless you. I pray for you. I'm with you. You need your parents to say no, your grandparents to say no and to step in because that's how we're a shield. That's how we're a shield and a shepherd who uses a rod. That's how we do that is by stepping in. And so this is spiritual. This is physical. And we want to save them. We want eternity in mind. So we, you know, physically, we think of how there's dangers, and so we want to save them that way, but really in a spiritual lens, too. How we want to, like we've talked about in the previous podcast, how we want to model a life of beauty unto the Lord. And that's being, number one, disciplined ourselves. That's modeling a life that's submitted to the Lord. And then number two, that's being one that we're, whether we're spiritually mentoring and um, teaching kids, or whether they're in our own home, where we're saying, no, I am your umbrella. I'm over you and I'm going to correct and I'm going to graciously speak the truth in love. Yeah, let's jump to saying 15. Saying 15 says, do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a hope for you, a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. What he's saying is like, don't envy Mm -hmm. sin because it comes at a price. Uh, Psalm 73 talks about this and is a, a, a beautiful psalm. Um, Psalm 119 also has a little bit of this when it comes to the Lord's word and like where we're not delighting in sin, but we're delighting in the word of the Lord. And this is so prevalent today because we're in the day, day and age of social media. And so comparison occurs, envy is born. We're looking at this online world of half truths. Filters are used and only the best foot is placed forward. And it's just not a picture of reality. And so one of the the questions I presented to the young adults when we were having this conversation is, how do you actually move away from envying sin to delighting in God's word? And what we talked about was, well, what are other things that we delight in? Well, we delight in our spouses. We delight in um, our hobbies like surfing or golfing. We delight in a niece or a nephew or a roommate. And the follow-up question is, how did you come to delight in them? And what everybody came to realize is it came, they came to realize it came from time spent. And so if we're sitting on our phones all day, looking what everybody else is doing, one, know that it's a filter, the best foot's forward, there's, the grass is not greener on the other side, and there's all kinds of pain and baggage there too, so it, it's not what it appears. But two, Spend less time doing that and more time with the people you love in your life, 
with the Lord himself and what you already have in your life, and you'll develop the gift of contentment. Mm -hmm. And so in time, that's where delight is born. You delight in your friends because you spent time with them. You delight in the hobby of golf or surf because you spent so much time out in God's creation. And so yeah. when it says, like, do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord, that's a good teaching. But the hard part is how? How do mm -hmm. I do that? Well, you're going to come to be zealous and delighting when you commit more time to the Lord than you do the things of this world. And so mm -hmm. it was a really fun and good conversation that I'd invite you to explore uh, and check into yourself. And so we have just a couple sayings here. Bobby, do you want to hit saying 16 or 17? What, which one are we looking Let's at here? Let's put them together. 16, I think so. They tell you who to listen to. So six, 19, 20. Oh, wait. Is that what you're talking about? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, yeah, whatever verses. one you want. I know. Well, we're saying, say, we're saying sayings, but I'm looking at the verses too. So initially there in verse 19, it's saying, listen, my son, and be wise and set your heart on the right path. Do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat for drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness mm. clothes them in rags. So just be hesitant. Again, the word discernment comes to mind. I feel like the spirit's just lifting that in this, that obviously you can, that doesn't mean that there's not, there's not something good to be offered from an unhealthy person or from a drunkard. But what it is saying is that there's an obvious lack of self-control just for what we can see with our eyes. And so most likely there's probably other areas of their life that we can't see where, you know, integrity or character would come into question too. So it's essentially saying here, this, this saying 16 is set your heart on the right path. Be wise. Listen to those folks that are on the path. Don't listen to someone who abuses these things. And that's what saying 17 is also getting at. Um, listen to your father. So again, listen to someone who has loved you, who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. <laughs> and, and also I think this gets to the, this gets to something that kind of stings us as Americans. Cause we do not do a good job of this. Mm. We do not honor generations before us. Well, at all, take care of your parents. Um, this is one of the first commandments that has been given with a promise out of Ephesians six, that, um, the promise is that it will go well. Yeah. Um, it seems implied that obedience and honoring your parents will only help your life improve as time passes. And I can speak to that now and it's quite sad, but we had the great joy and honor of living in close proximity with Clark's grandparents before they went to glory. And that was probably one of the greatest gifts that I will cherish in my life. The decade that we got to be near to them and that our kids got to know them, that there was just rich, rich, rich relationship with them. Um, and it was, it was unexpected, but it was such a huge gift. So mm. I think there's a call there. The Bible um, speaks of generations and generations of faith and how you love each other, how you submit to one another. And I think us as, um, from just our American, our Western culture, our American eyes and our lens, sometimes we, um, we forget that or we don't do that well, or all of a sudden it's not our responsibility and that's just not true. Hmm. And so, Hey, praise God for me and Clark, because we've got five, <laughs> <laughs> you will take care of me. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's true. We do. I don't know if you guys know this or not, if we've been able to talk to you, but we're going to tell you that we are actually expecting our sixth little one. That's right. And so you can pray for us. That's right. We got the, the, <laughs> the sixth one on the way. Wrap it up, Clark. We're Where's excited. it going? Okay. Where do we go here? Saying 18. What are, what are we getting at here? I don't know. Let me look. Saying 18. It says, my son, give your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. For an adulterous woman is a deep pit, and a wayward wife is a narrow well. 
Like a bandit, she lies in wait and multiplies the unfaithful among men. And what's so ironic about this is that King Solomon is the writer of these things. And hopefully at this time, Solomon was living what he was writing and speaking because this actually is leads to his downfall. And so sexual intimacy is created by God for one man and one woman. Not only does the Bible say this, uh, when it comes to your anatomy, your biology, your physiology, there are chemical compounds and things that are released that really bind you to other people. And that's because God wants you to be committed to one other person in a special way, which is a reflection of God's commitment to his people forever. So when you read these scriptures, verses 26, 27, and 28, a harlot is someone like a prostitute who usually just wants sex but nothing else. A commitment to sex but a lack of commitment to other areas of the life is a ticking time bomb, and it's actually going to be really painful because it goes against the design of the divine. You're an integrated being created for intimacy at every level of life. And so when someone says, I want to be uh, sexually intimate with you, but I don't want to share the rest of my life with you, that's incredibly selfish, actually, and goes against the way God has designed you to be an integrated being. Which is why when you come to a wedding ceremony, the vows are talking about like you're not only to be lovers, you're to be friends. You're to be on adventure. It's in sickness and in health, um, whether you're wealthy or you're poor, whatever it is. Actually, when we get done doing this podcast, I got to go do a wedding. I'm going to recite these words today. And it's like, I'm going to commit my whole life to you, not only when we are in bed together, but when you're in the hospital. And I got to get out of work to help, you know, you and the kids when you're not feeling well or whatever it is. And so that beauty of commitment is God being so committed to us. He gave his one and only son. And here's saying this sexual commitment is one beautiful piece of a greater pie that God calls us when it comes to being commitment. And so the, the rest of the chapter just transitions to talk about alcohol. And from there, it's like, hey, if you don't use this wisely, it's going to be a devastating to you and those around you so use it in a good and god honoring way all right and uh, before we go i think we have a guest here that's been hanging with us for a little bit wants to say hi someone waiting hi kit Kit, would you like to um end us with a verse or a song Um, the song okay what do you want to do doxology doxology all right sing your heart out girl here we go Go. Um, clear Praise God for whom a blessing twelve. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. You have a beautiful voice. You must get it from your mother. Way to go. All right. Well, hey, to all the listeners out there, thanks for joining us today. I hope that doxology blessed you, and uh, we'll be back later with Proverbs 24. God bless you. God bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.